Beautiful. Oh, that's a precursor for our show tonight. Launching us to go higher and higher and higher to our reality. To the self that we were created as. There we go. The front the bean bags are out too. If anybody starts to wiggle a squiggle and get a little restless, there's still a bean bag up up front. <laughs> so you can come and join. Basically, if you look at, at time and space from the Holy Spirit perspective, from Jesus' perspective, is that every single encounter, every single situation, regardless of what it appears to be, is just an opportunity to teach what you are. Every moment you are teaching what you are by your thoughts. And, of course, the world that you perceive is not apart from the mind. There's no world out there. It's literally, you are looking at your thoughts, and if they seem to take different sizes, shapes, colors, textures, that's just thoughts. It's not like there's an actual world, and then you have the ability to interpret that world however you choose. No, the world that you perceive is your interpretation. Even with the Course in Miracles, people tell me now, oh, there's six versions of the Course. There are, and they're different. They are. If you think there's six different interpretations of the Course in Miracles, that's just your mind. The Holy Spirit doesn't have six, or ten, or thirty, or fifty, or a hundred, anything. It's just one interpretation, and the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the world is very simple. The Son of God is innocent. That's it. It's really super simple. The Son of God is innocent. That's all the Holy Spirit ever interprets. Jesus tells us in the Course that the Holy Spirit doesn't interpret the world as you do. He's talking to the ego there, which has variable interpretations. And tonight we're going to have another great little scenario to watch together. Not like a full-length movie, but a, a scenario to watch. To come to the realization that all I give is given to myself, that there is no world apart from my mind, and we're going to come at it from a relationship. There's going to be a primary relationship, a husband and wife, that are part of this. But, but remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't even see relationships as human beings see them. All they are are opportunities to give, to extend, to extend love, to see the face of Christ. They're no, they have no other purpose other than the Holy Spirit's use of holistic perception, of seeing everything as a whole. And it's a great little, little video we're going to watch tonight because one of the lines I've always loved from the Course is whenever you perceive anything any situation is lacking. Any situation is lacking anything. It is what you have failed to give. So, partners are never lacking. Cultures are never lacking. Societies are never lacking. We're going to, in this video tonight, we're going to go to Earth far into the future, years ahead. 
and it's no longer called Earth. I think it's called Terra. <laughs> it's been renamed. <laughs> but they've got shortages, and you know, it's it's just a perception of they lacking some things. But that's just an interpretation. Remember, we're always called to come forth and bring forth the love in our hearts. That's really the only point of anything, is to bring forth the love. To go deeper into the trust, like the song we just heard. To go deeper and deeper into the trust of Christ. So, it will wash away all your ideas of relationships, because relationships are not about giving to get. They are not about um, mutually meeting needs, which are of the ego. It's not about um, offering something like respect and expecting respect back. It's about coming to that holistic perception of the world in which respect is natural. The respect of Christ is natural. It just radiates. There's no limit to respect. There's no limit to love. And we're going to see a relationship that I would say it's a transformation from specialness to holiness. That's a great opportunity whenever you can watch something that shows you the possibility of going from specialness and judgment to a place of acceptance and love. So, what do you think, Jason? <laughs> we both were getting psyched for this this little session tonight. Yeah, I, I saw all this potential because in our own lives with relationships, there's always these opportunities to feel like I don't have enough or how should I do this differently or how do I get a different response from my partner. And, and this movie really shows that once you go and you accept that you can't change the partner and you go into your unconscious, you give yourself permission to go into your unconscious, that's all you have to do, actually. And then, <laughs> as she goes down and then rises back up, doesn't try to change anything, but just waits patiently while the rest of her species is really angry at this far-off planet that really could be called God. <laughs> or, or Source. I don't know if it goes that far, but... And... Yeah, I don't know how much I want to say, but it's like uh, it's like she doesn't have to do anything. She just has to be willing to go into her unconscious and let the world reflect back her desire and just keep her heart open, not see the past, not look at who she thinks her husband is, stay open, just be willing to trust. And yeah, they encounter this species called, um, I guess the Rexorians is what it is. So whenever you hear Rexorians, should we tell them all the way? <laughs> it's like, you could just give the whole thing away, you know? Well, it's always helpful to see the symbolism. So the Rexorians is like, it's really like the Christ, but they don't know what it is, and so they're terrified of it. It's like God, we believe that we've separated away, and the journey home, there's such a fear of encountering that true love because we're afraid we've sinned so deeply that we just want to keep God and every one of his messengers including our holy relationships that are designed to bring us home at bay and we'll defend against them and fight against them for stupid reasons. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, okay, well, we're going to need a lot of help and that's why we've gathered together here because, you know, together you, you can see past the blocks easier. You, 
and try to see your blocks with just your partner. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm perceiving this. Do you see that? I don't, I sure don't see it. Okay, I really must be wrong. The Course tells me I'm wrong. Now you tell me I'm wrong. Okay, I'm really wrong. And then it can be a prayer to go deeper. So that's why we joined together. Yeah, this, did anyone remember, this song goes back a few years, but does anyone remember the song called The Legend of Billy Jack? One tin soldier rides away. Go ahead and hate your neighbors. Go ahead and cheat a friend. But do it in the name of heaven. You can justify it in, it's a great song. <laughs> Though, that whole song is about a group of people that come to this, the mountain people, and they're very loving and, you know, they want to, uh, they come and they, they, they want something, but they're, they're told, with our brothers, we will share. And, and yet a battle ensues when it's not, sharing is not enough. It's like, no, mine. <laughs> I want your mountain. <laughs> and I want the hidden treasure that you have on your mountain. So it's a conquest, you know, even though the message from the mountain people is with our brothers, we will share. And then they go up and they kill the mountain people so they can get the buried treasure. And they finally get the buried treasure, they unearth it, they bring it up, and peace on earth. Peace on earth was all it said. That was the buried treasure. They slaughtered all the mountain people to get the treasure. They probably did diamonds, gold something precious, money, no, peace on earth was all it said. And it's a little bit like that in this thing we're going to watch tonight because when you're in a place of scarcity and lack and you believe your survival is threatened, that's where the fear comes out. That's what wars are about, conflict. There's a belief in lack and a belief you need something from someone else to overcome that lack, and then it doesn't matter what form that conquest takes. You know, Jesus said if somebody asks for your coat, offer them your cloak as well. You know, if somebody smite you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. You know, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. Jesus is teaching us we have a direct connection to our source, and we are totally abundant in our source, and we need nothing. So we, he even says at one point, whenever you need something from a brother, you will see him as a brother no longer. So, if you just take that snippet, whenever you need something from a brother, you'll not see him as a brother no longer. Apply that to partnerships, like a husband and wife relationship. If you need something from the spouse, you're not going to really see who they truly are. You're just going to see a reflection of your neediness thoughts. And, and it's just cleavers. Ego's clever, because sometimes the needs get met, and sometimes they don't. And when they get met, the ego goes, very good. We've got a good bargain going here. Let's keep the bargain going. And when the needs don't get met, oh, then all kinds of emotions come up. There's a lot of fish in the sea. Don't think I'm locked in here. I can always get my needs met elsewhere if you're not going to meet them. It's very much reciprocity, bargaining, lack, it's just the ego, it's special relationships. So we're going to see at the beginning there is going to be some specialness fleshed up, but like Jason was saying, the key is, the thing I noticed right away when I watched it was, wow, 
She went to her closet, she looked at all of her dresses, and she picked the one with just straps on the shoulder. And I thought, oh, she's passing by all the rest. She's going for the one with the straps. She's got something in mind. And then she, instead of yelling at her husband, expressing her, dis her uh, disgust or anything like that, she just goes out, gets dressed up, and goes out, and then goes down, down, down in this elevator, which to me was representing down into the mind. She's going to go face whatever is in her unconscious mind and let whatever those fantasies are, whatever those dark thoughts are, whatever those dark beliefs, of course that's the way that we come to holiness. Because we have to, we have to expose, we have to raise up anything that's dark that we're holding on to because there's only one of us. It's not really partners, it's not really that there's an external world, it's just that there are repressed thoughts and beliefs that need to surface. When she goes down this elevator, I think she even needs a breathing mask. It's so far down in this uh, Terra, this planet, formerly Earth, that she needs to take a breathing mask down, but I, I could tell, I, I had all this anticipation after she makes her move to go down, because I thought, wow, something good is going to come of this. So that's what we'll enjoy tonight. We're going to enjoy the adventure of facing perceptions and then taking a dive down into the unconscious where healing release occurs. And then, when there is a, a shift towards holiness, there may still be some temptations. It's not like her species or her society uh, seems to share completely her perception, but it must be so that we have to go all the way to the point where we we see everything and everyone from the healed perception. There can be no exceptions to the truth, and there can be no exceptions to the happy dream or to the real world. And I really see this this segment, or what should we call it, a session episode, really is going to give us an opportunity to go all the way. So we may pause it a few times, just at a few choice points, but uh, we're just going on an adventure together into holiness. Can there be anything better than that? I don't think so. Okay. So, the only purpose of every single relationship that we ever have is to teach and learn perfect equality. There is no other purpose to radiate and extend this feeling of absolute perfect equality. And when we perceive anything that is not perfect equality, if we perceive any thoughts of, of inferior, superior, better, worse, comparisons, judgments, all those things, we're just seeing the unconscious mind. It's just coming up into awareness. And it's important to remember what Jesus says is that that only appreciation is an appropriate response to a brother, always. And it just seems like there seem to be extreme 
cases or what we legal would call exceptions, but but that's where you can see in this case she literally puts this mask over her her face to not emote in in, in the situation. But but there's a there's some grief and there's some hurt, uh, and maybe some other things, maybe anger and who knows what all that's coming up when she's doing that. But that was a nice little gesture too. She she realized she had to go immediately to her room and let those emotions up. Just to stuff emotions down doesn't solve anything. It doesn't bring any kind of release at all. So this is our starting point. Uh, and this is where we could say that whatever is believed in the mind that's blocking the awareness of that perfect equality is the block that needs to be released. That's the grievance. It's the belief that there's something outside of us that is not agreeable and again, projection is the attempt to get rid of something you don't want. So it, it all comes back to those unconscious beliefs. It doesn't help to project because that's how you keep, Jesus says, that's how you keep the emotions by projecting. And, and you release the emotions through forgiveness. So this is a, this is the test. <laughs> So we only saw a brief snippet of the encounter on Rexer, but there were humans, <laughs> there was him <laughs> going to get what they had, and then there were these flashes of light. That was not like any battle I've ever seen. <laughs> flashes of light here and there, and then him going there, screaming, we're under attack. You realize it's just a perception. Uh, his perception was that, that he was under attack, and then now he returns with his words being, I want to go, go home, I want to come home. So it gets very mystical <laughs> from this point, because she thought he was dead, and she thought she would never see him again. So she was dealing with processing her grief and and her need of like living th through him, through that concept of him and her. And she was dealing with that whole thing. And this is a total surprise of him coming back now from the light beings. Dreams returns in the new year. Now, next. <laughs> ah, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. A simple episode in what? True empathy. That's all Jesus is asking us to do every day, is just to practice true empathy. 
not to react and respond to images, because whenever we react and respond to images, what are those? Those are just judgments and interpretations. And the world is not doing anything to us. People are not doing anything to us. We are simply just watching egoic interpretations and reacting and responding emotionally to egoic interpretations. So when Jesus said in the Beatitudes, judge not lest you be judged, he was giving the key to the kingdom of heaven, to nirvana. Because he's basically saying, when you judge, which is actually an ability you are not capable of, not that it's wrong, not that it's bad, that you just are not capable of it. God didn't create you with that ability. God didn't give you the characteristic of judgment. It is not an extension of God or the divine when you are attempting to have an opinion about anything, absolutely anything at all, doesn't matter whether it seems to be tiny or large, that you are attempting something that is impossible. And so the plea is to have true empathy, to stay with what is real and true, to stay with your true nature, to stay with your Christ nature, regardless of appearances. All these concepts of, even of partnership, or of friends, or close friends, acquaintances, and all these roles, oh, who's that? Well, that's my employer, that's my employee, that's my gardener, you know, that's a waitress at the cafe, you know, those are all just opinions. They don't really have any real existence, and whenever the mind tries to pull a part out from the whole, as if it's meaningful, whatever that part is, it could be a pebble, could be a grain of sand, it's still attempting the impossible, attempting to see in a partial way, a selective way, based on judgments and preferences and beliefs, instead of holistic. So really, the only thing that will ever satisfy a sleeping mind is to open up to vision, to the vision of Christ, to see in a new way, to see the world in a whole new way, and ultimately to open up to light, which I thought it was amazing that this whole being, all we saw were these flashes, <laughs> even when the, when it was boarding the ship, it was kind of a like multi-colored flash, <laughs> like a flash bulb or something. <laughs> and she's like saying, what's, what's your real name? You wouldn't be able to pronounce it. <laughs> it doesn't, it, it can't form sounds. You, you wouldn't even be able to pronounce it. Okay, can I call you Silas, please? You know, it's, there's no attempt to change anything. There's no attempt to make something different. Imagine if you just were saying, okay, I'm going to practice true empathy today, and you could take whatever workbook lesson, whatever line from the Course that you resonated with. It doesn't really matter. I am the light of the world. That would work. Uh, let all things be exactly as they are. That would work. Nothing I see means anything. That would work. It's like there's huge variations that Jesus gives us of any of these 
variations would work perfect to just cruise through the day and stay with your torch out front. He does say that that you need in the setting the goal section you need to have your your goal, your purpose out front. And when you keep your goal out front, what your one purpose is, you will perceive everything and everyone as helping you accomplish that purpose. That's, he's telling us exactly how to unify perception by holding the goal out front. I see Jeffrey there holding his fist up. The last step is, that's the last step. It's also the only step. <laughs> As all that, if you just practiced that one step consistently, you wouldn't have to get caught up into, oh, this spirituality versus that spirituality, this version versus that version, all this foolish nonsense around words. I'll tell you, God is not reached through words. Words are symbols of symbols, twice removed from reality. Even though they're given in the Course as something to practice with, they're just like, it's almost like if you had a ship, it's just getting pushed, pushed off the shore. That's what they do. They help you get a little push off the shore. They're not going to be with you for most of the voyage. I remember when I went to France, I was with some friends and we were all talking about the Course and I did a gathering and um, they said, you want to come to uh, Mary Magdala's cave, her grotto, where she lived. She came across, after her time with Jesus, across the Mediterranean and taught at a, a Greek temple and then for years lived to be quite old and spent the last 30 years living in this cave uh, where a friar would bring her some food, but she would go out and stand on the top and just commune most of the day with Jesus and then sleep in, in the cave at night. Ooh, it was really deliciously mystical to go in Mary, hike way up this mountain and finally go into Mary Magdala's cave grotto. Ooh, I could stay in there. What a vibe. 30 years, the last 30 years of her life, basically in silence, communing with Jesus. Now that's I need do nothing. She had had her days to speak, speak the truth, teach what she would learn. You know, that's a good use of words, letting the Spirit use your body in that way to shine the light, to hug, to laugh, to speak beautiful words that are given, that are put in your mouth. That's a beautiful method of conversion, but again, it's the prayer of the heart. God answers the prayer of the heart. It's the devotion to be in communion. It's devotion into that true empathy. To see no error. I love that one. The first time I read that, where I saw that Jesus italicized those words. I have fun. Whenever Jesus italicizes words, it's like, ooh. Most of the words are not italicized. See no error. That's true empathy. That's another way of saying what we were talking about. That's another way of saying, I am the light of the world. See no error. Join with the Holy Spirit. Look beyond the defiled altar. She went down to the defiled altar. She went down to the unconscious. But she was willing, you know. 
she didn't just go to bed angry. You know, the Bible says, don't ever go to bed angry. That's a good, a good teaching from the Bible. Never go to bed angry. She went, she went out. She got her dress on, her black dress. She got in her hood, got a little breathing apparatus and down, down, down. She went to maze level to the bottom of Terra. And, and there she was. She just walked through the maze level. And to me, that's just allowance. You have to, you can't put on a spiritual mask. You can't try to pretend to be happy. You can't try to pretend to be gracious, pretend to be friendly. You know, the pretending is not going to work. That's just wearing a mask. But, but to give yourself full allowance to feel the feelings fully, to let them up. In her case, she's oftentimes just would go to her room and then feel the emotions. And even when he seemed to be gone, and she didn't know if she'd ever see him again, she just was there, very prayerful, very mindful, very quiet, sitting, looking out, looking up that one time into the sunlight and dropping her, her clothes. Just another symbol of being naked in the light. It's beautiful symbology of just not protecting anything, not hiding anything, not trying to hold on to something, cover something. What a great opportunity we have, so precious, to live such a transparent life, knowing that Jesus has told us, no harm will come to you if you are open. No harm will come to you if you are transparent. You may cry, you may have emotions that come up. Don't hold them back, don't push them down. I think some of you know the, the parable of David. There was a period of like 10 years where I remember going down with my dog Chipper and just crying and crying and crying. I used to listen to a country singer, Crystal Gale, and one of her songs was I cried the blue right out of my eyes. I was like, yeah, that's how it feels. Cried the blue right out of my eyes. But there was a lot of allowance in those years. Allowance to go down. I felt safe with my dog. And my, my parents, my minister, my sister. I didn't feel the safety there, but with Chipper I did. And therefore I let all those tears come. As many tears as there were. I didn't care if it was Niagara Falls. And Chipper didn't seem to care either. He just lick, lick, lick. Lick those salty tears with that pink tongue. There was no, there was no, um, consequences to that exposure. There was just so much allowance. And that was so important to have that much allowance. That's like just having a dear, trusted friend who welcomes Whatever emotions need to come up, that was a symbol of my determination to go through the darkness. It was a symbol, it was an answer to a prayer, really, of how can I get down to what lies beneath? And so it starts off with Chipper, and then the music came in, listened, guided to listen to all kinds of music. All the tears really came pouring, too, with all these different songs that I was guided to listen to, sometimes over and over. Just huge emotions. I just went to a movie the other night. It was the story of Andrea 
Bocelli, whose real name was Amos Barty. But it showed his whole life. It showed all the emotions that he went through. Being born, not completely blind, but, but blind in one eye and with just kind of shadows and so forth in the other. And then all that he went through, all the unworthiness, all the fear, all the doubt, even being told by one person one time, you will never be a singer. <laughs> Imagine getting that reflection. You will never be a singer. And yet there was something inside him that just connected, could connect to the music, felt the divinity. And even at the end of the movie, was he was some writings from him that was on the screen, you know, don't be deterred, don't be distracted by illusions, he said. Wow. That's how you come into that state of mind. That's how you let that presence inside you, the gifts that God has given you, shine forth by, by eventually not hiding them. He did eventually open, find a, a maestro, a master that would train him, played in the movie by Antonio Banderas, and he was uncompromising. He brought discipline in, he brought structure, he brought the very mind training and discipline that, that he would need to perfect his craft, you know, to, and then he even kind of, you know, called some friends up. Pavarotti and other, a few singers like, hey, let's take this kid on the road. <laughs> Pavarotti was supposed to, uh, was not supposed to be able to do a tour, so he was supposed to take Pavarotti's place after working with the maestro, and then Pavarotti said, no, I, I can do it. But then eventually, yeah, he did, he did get his chances to walk out there on that stage and just tune in to Source and just let Source come through. And and that was a beautiful symbol of accepting his function. He could feel the happiness. He loved singing opera, even though people would say, oh, you'll never be able to sing, and you won't make a living at this, it's too hard, you'll never, you'll never make it. You know, all the doubts, the no, the naysayers were all there, but he kept with it, because that's where he felt the love, he felt the connection when he was singing opera. That was his meditation. And eventually he just gave into it, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do because this is my calling. That's really what we're all doing, we're just getting into that. And it doesn't matter the form of getting into your true empathy, but whatever lights you up to the point where you can just be so lit up and you can float through the day with no obstacles to block your way. Nothing that you're going to stop and say, oh, I can't go any further because this is here. You, you know that it's not outside of you. You know you have the strength within you to transcend. And what a great little episode that was of transcendence. She could recognize, she could recognize the feeling of love. That was a, in there. We all have that memory of that love. And she just allowed herself to go more and more into it. Maybe the ego is inside trying to say, what is this? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> but she did say when she was questioned, you know, that there was nothing she could complain about. She found nothing <laughs> to complain about with what was occurring. And so she went with it.
And she went with it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And in the end, it was divine logic that she used. You know, that wasn't the behavior of a ruthless species. That was loving. That was kind. He was saying, take me. Don't, don't prosecute her. He didn't want to see her prosecuted for treason. And then she saw, she, the spirit in her just seized on the moment. This is not ruthless. She appealed to the higher order of reasoning, of divine reasoning in all of her brothers and sisters. And we can do that too, you know, we can do that regardless of what the appearances are. As long as we're not looking to get something, get an outcome, get something from somebody, needing something, needing them to act a certain way, needing them to be a certain way, without that, it's like walking down a quiet path in the summer, when you have learned to decide with God all events become as easy as breathing, and it's, it's as if you're ca carried down a quiet path in summer. It's soft, it's gentle. This still voice in us is saying, don't confront, don't challenge. Jesus says in the Course, there is no challenge to an advanced teacher of God. Imagine the state of grace where you don't ever experience a challenge. Not that you can be challenged, or that there is ever a need to challenge. It's taking us into a state of grace where there's no competition. There's no competition. That's why we have to experience divine providence, because if you participate in the world, it's all competition, all jobs, all careers. Everything in this world is based on competition. But he's saying, no, you don't need that. You can live in a state of grace, totally sourced by your divine creator, in need of nothing, letting every breath be in honor and glory of, of the creator. Every moment, a song of gratitude. He's saying that's practical. That's not pie in the sky. That, that's the practical. <laughs> but to try to defend against that state of grace is insane indeed. You can see where this right-minded thinking is, is the atonement, is, is the correction for everything. And there is that section in the Manual for Teachers where he's saying, what, what does this recognition cost you? In other words, what, what cost is there to healing? He says, it costs you the whole world you see. That's all. And he means it too. He's like, oh, there's one thing that it will cost you the whole world you see. The whole fragmented linear world that you perceive is going to cost you that. That's, that's the price of healing. It will cost you judgment. It will cost you an ability you never really had the ability for. You give up this nothing ability and you get everything. 
And yet the programming and the conditioning is all about, it's a curriculum and judgment. What is education? What did we learn in preschool and kindergarten and all those grade schools in junior high and high school in university? What did we learn? We learned a curriculum and judgment. In fact, we were told that yeah, even if you go through all that, if you really want to be a good judger, you can go into the medical field and stay in for another five or six years, get a really big salary, but you'll learn all these body parts and how they relate to each other, and you'll have a really refined curriculum and judgment, and you'll get be well paid for saving bodies. <laughs> and then some, there have been some, the Larry Dossies and the Bernie Siegels and everything that got all the way through that. Bernie Siegel was a surgeon, and all of a sudden he discovered the power of prayer. He kissed his surgeon career goodbye. Before he left, he used to post in the hospital, he started to post these little loving messages, little prayer messages around. That didn't go over well. In, in the ER and all these places, you know, he, he left a little trail of, I'm getting, like the Truman Show, this one's for free. I'm leaving the whole medical model. I'm leaving surgery. I'm leaving my well-paid career all behind because I discovered something that's more valuable than the medical model. Imagine being a scientist and you go into science so deeply, you just go deeper and deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of science and you get down into quantum you go, wow, God. Maybe you don't use the word God if you're a scientist. <laughs> Oneness. <laughs> Actually, I love that about the quantum physicists because they went so deep into quantum physics, they found the quantum field and they named it entanglement. Okay. <laughs> they, it's their shot. <laughs> but, we would call it oneness, maybe, or connectivity or whatever, but, but it, that's what entanglement meant, that everything was connected. It's beautiful. That's their word for God, entanglement. <laughs> Let go of all those codependent ideas <laughs> that you have around entanglement, but it just means pure connection. Everything is completely connected. And that's, that's the same thing. That's, that's, entanglement's another, a synonym for forgiveness. It's a scientific word for forgiveness. Dear Mom, I'm devoting my life to entanglement. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. So what did you think? Did you enjoy that brief adventure? Isn't that fun? You just have to trust all the way <laughs> with the music they play, and then when we have the subtitles on, creepy music or, you know, it's like, <laughs> CD, right? <laughs> we get the biggest laughs of it. Yeah, going down to the CD unconscious, CD. <laughs> that was fun, yeah. Yeah. Sevi, you have the mic? 
Okay, anybody wants to share anything, Sevi's ready. I don't know what to share, but I feel such a deep emotion. I was sitting in meditation um, just before start, and um, um, I was reading, uh, before that, reading chapter 19 from the Course, and um, I was just about uh, at the fear of God, and then for lifting the veil. And at that moment I felt like, um, like when I closed my eyes, it felt like I saw what was meant. At that moment, I lifting the veil, if I close my eyes, I can see what is meant by that. And um, I don't know what's happening with um it also feels like a deep gratitude. I have no names. <laughs> it's so deep. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You can just feel it and let it welcome it and let it come. It's interesting how in in our the parable of our lives there there comes that time when when gratitude just starts to well up and sometimes the ego will try to jump in like, not now, you can't feel that much emotion or that deep gratitude in whatever, at the job or, you know, on the train or the bus or whatever. Like there's appropriate places to feel gratitude and then there's inappropriate <laughs> places, places and, you know, but yeah. I think that's like you're you're on that elevator ride when you know you're just going down 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 and and you can feel how important it is and then regardless of the circumstances you know that's you're trusting okay I'm in a place of of safety for this I need not bottle it up or try to hold it in or even explain it yeah, there, there's no words for that, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of entanglement, um, it, it's funny because the other day I just found an article, and uh, and it said, uh, "Find out if you're in a relationship or an entanglement." And what they refer to um, as an entanglement is actually what what a course refers to as a special relationship. And and so the, the whole article was about like whether like just kind of pointing to what is entanglement, and then and then pretty much saying that um, 
no matter what it is, the first thing is to leave. Like the answer is always is to, uh, to leave the entanglement, but first to realize that you are in an entanglement. And then, and then it goes, but there's a way to transcend the entanglement and make it into a real relationship. And so, and, and the four may shift, it could be like within the actual, still what used to be an entanglement, but it can be transformed into a real relationship or like the four may shi shift. But the, the thing to do is to go from the entanglement, from the entanglement towards the real relationship. And so, so like, uh, like, because you said entanglement, so I had that's it. Like I had to mention it now, and uh, and so yes, yeah, so it's kind of in the movie that um, what they looked like they had an entanglement, but it and it transformed into what you would call a relationship. Actually, like a holy what the course is calling a holy relationship. So, so that's kind of cool. So that's a, that's a way, like that's also a practical way. That article didn't say how to do that, though, other than you have to wonder about it. But this is like a great how-to. So. Yeah, if you, had, if you had to start somewhere and you had to commit to something, you could commit to not being entangled. And then there, that's kind of something that's talked about in the Course. This need not be, and so on and so forth. And then at one point Jesus says, but nothing can fully be described from the negative. So that's where we, we open up to love, you know, to, to what is real. And the entanglement was just the, the block or the pushing it away, the covering it over. It was, but it, like you said, it has to be acknowledged first. Like the Course says, I have done this thing, and it is this that I would undo. I have entangled, and now I would unentangle. <laughs> it could be a, a simple way of saying it, yeah. So there's an admission. That's like in the 12 steps, there has to be an admission first. The admission is very important. You don't skip over the admission. You have to come to that admission and then it doesn't stop there. There's, there is the higher power. <laughs> there is the turning over of your life to that and then it's like a discovery of discovering that. What Jeffrey's calling the last step. Discover the last step. That's the name of your TV show, right? The? The. TV show, The Last Step. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, how simple it was for her, like with the intimacy. Like it wasn't like big dramatic gestures he did or started spouting the course <laughs> quotes, you know. <laughs> he was just like, like holding her hand, or just like this, or hey, would you like a little bite? And the tea, the strawberries, yeah. the the jam, just the simple things. Like so much the journey. I thought it was like I don't know, put on a show or get it figured out or demonstrate something, but it's just thoughts and they reflect so gently. Yeah. 
think I like that at the end of the, the movie too with Bocelli. That I keep saying Bocelli is whatever. Yeah. What's that? That's right. Yeah, because people were saying Botticelli, and I'm like, I think it's Bocelli. But <laughs> but at the end, he said, only ingenious men would tell you that happenstance is true or luck. He said, no, not everything. Nothing is happenstance. Nothing is by accident. It's all basically a divine plan. It's like he realized somewhere that the script is written or something and that he was destined. This was destined to be his journey. Like most of the movie showed that he was fighting that and a lot of emotions, but then it's like the rest of the story we most know where he just is in a singing voice. And Another thing I love too is that his master said... Uh, you can't, don't even want you to sing until you get in touch with the silence first. Everything has to come from there. Same as that, was just like from a quiet place or anything. That was beautiful. That the silence was where he would find, find his song. And yeah, not to think that there was something wrong when he was not singing. Like that was his assignment. Don't sing. Just be silent. Don't sing till you really have something to share. Don't waste it on small talk and all the those little kind of things. Don't even do that until it really has to come out. Yeah. There was a grace with this whole uh, session tonight too. You know, just kind of gently one thing, just leading another, another. But it was, yeah, it wasn't wasn't that feeling of trying to make something happen. It was just the spirit was just coming through so softly, so gently. And a lot was spoken beyond the dialogue, just the looks in their eyes. That's what she was recalling. Is this your husband? And she had the flash of just his face in such humbleness and his sparkly eyes, twinkly eyes. She answered, yes, this is my husband. It's very much like that part in the Bible where they're questioning the, who Jesus is and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And then the apostles have different things and then it's Peter that says, you know, you are the son of the, the living God. And Jesus says, that was not man that spoke, just confirming the Holy Spirit's acknowledgement. But to live every day in that true empathy where you're just honoring the Creator by your attitude, by your joy, by your happiness. Because Jesus, I think I mentioned that recently, that that God doesn't have an ego in which to hear praise, you know, to hear all these words and praise, but it's it's our attitude. It's when we are in a state of mind that is the same way we were created by God, that's how we honor God, by honoring the way that we were created. Not through words, but through our state of mind. And it really wouldn't matter. Somebody recently was reading the review lessons about my happiness and my function are one, and on Facebook they were saying, now what is this function? <laughs> you know, like, I like the happiness part. <laughs> And you're saying, my happiness and my function are one. 
tell me more about this <laughs> function? Because we're so used to hearing that word function in terms of a doing. You know, we've got everything so programmed and associated with a doing, an outcome. It has to look a certain way. It has to have a certain kind of outpicturing. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's just a state of mind. Lisa would come down here at La Casa for years and she'd come down and she'd just get more and more and more in the joy. And then she'd get so happy and so joyful that she actually would start to get suspicious, like the joy police were going to come breaking in the door. And then she would get arrested, you know. She just felt like it would be like some authority, like the police or something. Like, ma'am, you're out of control. You, you've gone past joy, you've gone into ecstasy, and now we have to take you away. But, you know, sometimes she would call me up and she'd say, am I doing this okay? I need to check in with you because I'm afraid I'm really losing it here. I'm really getting so joyful. And I'd say, no, no, that's, that's your function. She'd say, what is it? Just tell me it one more time. I'd say, to be happy. Just be exceedingly happy. But am I doing it right? No, that's not the question. That's not the question. Be happy. I'm fully with you. Just go for it. Because she had, when she was in Pennsylvania, she had gone and joined this temple and they were studying the course and and then she just started to let her happiness come out and and they basically banned her from the temple. And she called me up one day on the cell phone and she said, she was sniffling, I, they threw me out. They said I was too happy. They said I was inappropriately happy. I said, that is, I said, what, was this your course group? She said, yes. They threw me out of the course group. They said I was too happy. I said, you don't need to be in that course group then. <laughs> you, you stay out. <laughs> you don't go back if they're telling you you're too happy. <laughs> Is that of God? No. God doesn't put a parameter on happiness. There's no limit to the happiness. So. And you know, this, those are the traditions. You, if you look at, uh, in the Middle East, the whirling dervishes, you know, they, they swirl and twirl in God's love. They, they disorient themselves from the linear orientation and they just swirled in ecstasy you know and you can feel it with when you that was the, what was the last song that in the movie Andrea Bocelli that time to say goodbye yeah it was like time to say goodbye to the ego and you could feel as he's singing that it's just so majestic like he's kissing the ego goodbye and just getting beamed up just absorbed up in God's love, you know, time to say goodbye, yeah. And it's so powerful. You could just merge right there with God in that song. <laughs> we just sat there <laughs> in the theater, just basking, just basking in the music, yeah. Emily even sang it to us at the beginning. She sat in front of the whole theater and sang. We, we asked our two comrades beside us if they minded, and they said no. 
So she started to belt it out and then the ads came on. So we As you mentioned, um, the flesh she, she got from his face and his, this tenderness in his eyes, um, it reminded me of the scene when he was um, interviewed and he was asked um, how he met his wife and he just mentioned that he met her um, and could remember the tenderness behind And I thought, yeah, that's because he was hit by the light. And everything, every, the Holy Spirit takes everything and gives you back only love. And that was he was seeing then in the, in the remembrance that he, it wasn't, it wasn't him anymore. Yeah. Truly, it was just, you know, it was just love. It was just, it was just seeing only love. And it was, What he, what he showed all the, all the way through. And that was what she remembered then because she was open to it. Because she was, she was really willing even to go really, really deep and open to everything, open to the unconscious thoughts she saw and, and re was really, really ready to play with it and to, to see, okay, I'm safe even there. I'm totally safe. And that was what she remembered with him as well. So it was really just the both of them just remembering the laugh. And she was able to extend it actually in the, in the court. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. It came, full it came just together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Thank you. That's beautiful to recall that. And also, I do remember when. When that came up, when he was being interrogated and he said that, the tenderness behind that the interrogator said, yeah, very good, but that won't save you. That, that is the precise thing that saved him. Uh, and that's why the ego is, it knows nothing. You know, it just wants to poke and prod. And I love that line in the course, no, amount of evidence will convince you of what you do not want. The power of our wanting has to be acknowledged. Our mind is very powerful. And the power of wanting, even if all the grace and all the love of the whole universe is showered on us, if we want to see something else, if we want to see error, we want to see the mistake, 
in the face of all that love, a tsunami of love, then the mind will hold on to that and, and try to see the error. And I think that was what had, what happened with his uh, comrade. He wasn't ready for that. Yeah. He was he was meeting it with fear, and um, that so it came through a little, yeah, not not really. He wasn't, yeah, yeah, just confused, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yes. I just, <clears throat> I just thought that was really sweet to hear you say that, Anja, because last summer we had an experience in Switzerland, and we had this beautiful singer, singer Michael Stillwater, in our session, and and he was going to sing to each of the participants. Um, he was going to help them deal with an issue, and he composed the song in the moment. And Anya was there and she said, can we do it differently? <laughs> she went up to Michael and she said, can I just look into your eyes? And she just looked into his eyes and he just said, oh, I've never done this. But And then this beautiful song came out. I have it on my phone. <laughs> and it's all about when you look at me, you, you see me through. And, you know, this beautiful experience. And I must share, I saw... Online, it, I think this movie we saw was made by two wise and gentle women. <laughs> Just a side note. <laughs> <laughs> I mainly wanted to share about Anya. What stood out for me in this movie, the most that I'll take with me, was how much in integrity she was with her beingness. She knew who she was, and she knew what she wanted. She was clear, and she stood by that no matter what was around her. And it was a strength. She made choices through her strengths. And in the end, she chose her happiness. But I, the integrity of this woman just shone through that screen to me. Yeah. Being true to herself. So for me, that was a, what I'll take with me. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, she was a demonstration of that true empathy. She was not going to deviate from her being. And how that brings us everything. That's, that's like the only thing that's required. <laughs> and how everything is included in that. Just amazing. Yeah, speaking of everything, that's what he sacrificed for love. Everything. 
His whole self-identity, everything. No more defending. No more courtroom. No more I'm giving it all up. Uh, in the face of... And he did it so confidently. It was like... He just... It wasn't like... Uh, <laughs> the way he did it was amazing. Yeah. He just stood right up and said, No, there's nothing but love. It's like he was saying, I'll, I'll tell you what you want to hear, but the way he did it, the love, the attitude, the integrity, there it is, he nailed it. And then, yeah, then it all, <laughs> then she stood up. <laughs> she felt that and met that, yeah. That's beautiful. Marie. When I um, watched how she was before he died and how many, many years that she was so used to being in that state of fear and that state of panic and that state of separation, although living in the same home and having a marriage. And then when he died and Derek Sorian came in, she was much more terrified of the gentleness and the kindness of the thoughtfulness and I find that in my own healing as I continue to practice forgiveness I, I, I start to see all my own defenses and my mighty companions that are very gentle with me I can see in this path how terrifying it is and the sense of safety is something that's really alien because I know safety is normally based on form, something I have to do in form, something that I have to maintain uh, something in form. But uh, in, this, in this teaching that Jesus has that I'm choosing to practice more and more is yeah, in the beginning, the gentleness is terrifying because the sense of safety is where I find is where I find my joy. But in the beginning, it's really terrifying. I can see how it was for her. It doesn't seem real to feel safe. It doesn't feel right to feel safe. That if I feel safe, then there's something wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I know more and more this feeling of safety is growing more and more, and so it's incredible, this, this love and this gratitude. So, thank you. Yeah, it's when, when the defense mechanism of, of hiding or repressing, you know, under the name of safety, you know, when that gets reinforced over and over and over and it starts to become a reality, not not truly, but it's in awareness, then you have to go the other direction. Uh, it's pretty radical, and, and I know that's been the thing in our groups, you know, that kind of emerged, um, this idea of 
no people pleasing and uh, no private thoughts and expression sessions. You know, it seemed kind of radical. And I remember going to China and I met this man who was the first man to bring A Course in Miracles to China. And uh, he would always write to me and he would say, he would say, David, you're no people pleasing and no private thoughts. Uh, is the practical application of nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. And he said, you just put it right into practical action, like something that we can practice with. And the first time we went to China, Jason was with me and Francis and, uh, I don't know, it was a hundred and some people uh, showed up. We had two mystics that arranged the, organized the gathering, so they didn't they didn't collect any money. They didn't register anybody. Just the doors were open, and people filed. Hundred some people filed in, and uh, that was perfectly arranged by Jesus to have two mystics as your organizers in China. And we worked with them, and then um, we started to talk about that. And we said, "Okay, let's break up into uh, small groups." And how many do we have? Thirty. 35 each uh, in three groups. Those were our small groups, as small as we could get them. <laughs> and then when they would they would get in the groups, um, I remember for my group, they they had this man had put all my teachings into Mandarin for some years ago. So they came from all over China, all parts of China, to be with us there and. Uh, they were very familiar with the expression sessions and no people pleasing, no private thoughts. And they just almost were like, had a look in their eye like, we've never done this, but we're so honored to do this. So when I got into my group of 35, they, they said, Oh, this is how we're going to do it. And they, they put, they grabbed two chairs in the middle of the 35 and they put me in one chair with another chair facing. And then one by one, they would race from the perimeter to get there and to cry or scream or emote in, in their culture, you know, it was, there was so much suppression, you know, both, both projected onto the government, the culture, and, and they were just one by one, almost like we only have a, a little limited amount of time. So they, one would race out and, and emote. <laughs> fully and then race back and another one would race in. They were almost like organized, like we may get this chance once in a hundred years, we're not gonna blow it. So they were like it was just quite amazing. It was like a, a revival, the power you could feel the spirit was moving so strong. And yeah, then we went back was it a year or two later, we went to Shanghai and there was two hundred and twenty five people there and you could just hear a pin drop. We had like seven, was it seven of us on the stage? And and the talks came and you could just, everybody was just listening. But it was, you could feel the energy of just the receptivity to these ideas. Like, we, no, yes, we, we've, we've read this, we've seen, we know this is it, this is the way. You know, like in India tradition, they have the sannyasis who basically you know, give up everything. They give up family, career, everything like this. We would be traveling around there and 
we would go deep into divine providence and they would just stand up, yes, I will do this, I will drop everything right now and I will just go my way and then we would hear their stories. One, one man even, um, I think he was going from one major city to another, but he only had one possession left. He threw his whole suitcase, his whole luggage out, left it there at the train station, and he, all he had left was his Course in Miracles book. And then he stood and told everybody, and then I thought, I am guided by God, I don't need a Course book. <laughs> And he, he went and he looked around and, and he found a janitor and he said, over there, see that book? And the janitor said, yeah. And he said, that book will change your life. <laughs> and then hopped on the train, <laughs> leaving the whole suitcase and the course book behind. And then I saw him in Beijing and he goes there and then there's a woman there who's into all types of non-dual things, including the Course, who has this giant center where everybody can come and work and live and volunteer for free. That's where I see him next. After he pitches his luggage and his course book, he shows up in this place where he's totally provided for. He can meditate and shine and share and have holy encounters all day, and, and I thought, well, there you go, that's, that's exactly how it works. And the more we trust that everything will be provided for if we answer the call, the more we're willing to go fully into that without any reservations, any exceptions, then the, the strength of, of the conviction, the integrity, the strength of character, the strength of being, just starts to shine like a bright light. And then there's usually this feeling of, of course, I knew this all along. You know, it's like it's always been there. It's not like some kind of new blaze of, like, lightning bolt comes down out of the sky. It's more like a recognition, like, oh yeah, I knew this. And then, so it's really in the devotion that, that breaks us out. Like you were saying, Marie, all this conditioning, and then now you're just going going in this, going toward the light, and letting the Spirit wash away any doubt thoughts, any lingering wisps from the past that still rise up. What a beautiful life, a beautiful life of devotion. Okay, we thought this would be about two hours. Wait a minute, Anne's got something. <laughs> yeah, it was um, just with Marie sharing what she shared then, and um, you talked about um, equality, and that's been really strong in my mind, and uh, it's just to expose this real strong feeling of inequality and it's always around you David you know this um, sense of yeah just instead of seeing you as an older brother it's like you're up there somewhere and I can't reach it and and this is just needs to be said somehow. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's the first step, is just to speak it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's beautiful because that's we keep being drawn together and coming together and coming together for as long as it takes to to wash that that thought or that feeling away. Mm. Yeah, perfect equals God shining light on us and taking us back home. You know, together. I like that feeling of walking hand in hand. We've got a nice firm grip. <laughs> We're not going to let go. Yeah. 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 Thank you for letting me just, yeah, <laughs> just expose it. And, yeah. Because yeah, there were yeah. so many thoughts around it. It was so difficult to get through. It's like, no, no, no. And then it was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you say, it's the beginning, you know, because you also said, Nothing unreal exists, and yeah. I just have to keep showing that that's true. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be on a pathway where we openly acknowledge that we are sourced and that we are guided. You know, this idea that even in the little details as the day seems to unfold, there is this plan or there is this guidance that that comes and and that's all we have to do is show up and then it it comes out in whatever way is practical and whatever way is helpful and uh yeah i want to acknowledge matt he he took a was it a 5 hour bus or a 5 hour ride to come here this weekend and just really enjoyed uh, spending the evening yesterday with Matt and going out to dinner and coming here and going over the temple and just going around and and uh, the beauty of it is Matt and and his wife are Course in Miracles students they're homeschooling their children 10 and 12 and he came all the way down here from San Miguel and and with so much openness just and then it was just we had a beautiful night of just sharing from the heart and and letting the spirit kind of shower us with uh, gratitude and appreciation and yeah to me that's that's where the that's where that feeling of equality comes in as we we realize that we have so, we all have so many gifts to give and and all we have to do is show up and let those gifts effortlessly come through us and that's what it felt like it's like i we had never met and yet there we were and yeah i just want to how how did you enjoy tonight this is great i mean i've actually listened to these movie nights um, I'm Spreaker, I think it is, and I was like, "Hey, I, movie night sounds really cool. I want to do this." <laughs> so, I, so when I reached out to David, I was like, "Hey, uh, is there a movie night these weekends? Because I want to make sure I, you know, come to the movie night." And uh, it's it's been great. I mean, how everything lined up uh, for me to come here this weekend was really uh, amazing, and even the ride down here with this gentleman that drove me, Cesar. He, uh, you know, it was like having this uh, spiritual Sherpa on the transition here. And Cesar is telling me about all these metaphysical things. 
then he said he had a connection with me and we should go to the desert and do peyote by the end of the car ride. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, this is really warming up to be something here uh, in Chapala. But uh, I don't know, there's just been a tremendous amount of synchronicities uh, going on uh, just for me to arrive here. And also, I just want to mention that when I, f- I felt really called to, uh, you know, motivated to, to get the course uh, to buy the book and I kept on putting it off, putting it off. And then, um, I was like, I made a note in my journal one day, like I, I really got to buy, buy the course. Like I think today. And I walked into a bookstore and it was the first book and it said like 50% off. I was like, what the? <laughs> and, uh, and, but, but then even like the iambic pentameter and like the prose of it, I found a little bit difficult at first. And, uh, I was just challenged by it. And, and my wife's like, here's a here's a course in miracles made easy and that was kind of like okay it's like the cipher for me to now have context on how to read this and all these things kind of just fell into place fell into place and now it's just like it's like an undeniable something going on here so i'm just really happy to be here and get a chance to participate tonight so thank you beautiful thank you man yeah, I'd like to take you to our studio tomorrow. Do we know f- f- how how the test going? We we're on. Our internet was off, but we're still on. The the host internet is down, but we we got little phones. <laughs> we're we're going to broadcast from a phone. <laughs> from a phone. <laughs> It's an upgrade. Are we using Susan's phone or something? I heard maybe. Okay, we've got an upgrade. We're broadcasting all of our shows <laughs> with a phone. Very good. It's Mexico. We are so ready for anything now. <laughs> we can't be stopped. <laughs> it's good. So we'll be in touch. I think um, I think I'm on Susan's. Is it called Leap? We're on, I'm on Leap <laughs> tomorrow at twelve fifteen, and then I think Soren and and uh, Francis are going to talk about the the documentary. Hmm. After that, one o'clock. You want to tune in? They start at ten, right? Ten a.m. Yep. To one thirty. Well, thank you all for coming. Another wonderful night.